This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to Get Started Investing, a production of Equitymates Media. This series is everything you need to get started on your investing journey. You don't need a lot of brains in this business. Investing in yourself is the best thing you can do. Anything that improves your own time. Now you can get rich very young just by having an idea. I mean, I can buy anything I want, basically, but I can't buy time. Welcome to Get Started Investing. In this podcast, we cover all of the basics that you need to start your investing journey. But are you joining us for the very first time or is this the very start of your investing journey? Well, before you dive into this episode with us, our feed is designed to go from the very beginning. So we strongly recommend you scroll up and start at episode one. However, if you are feeling brave and just want to dive in, don't let us stop you. Here at Get Started Investing, we unpack all the jargon and confusing bits, hear your investing stories with the goal of making investing less intimidating, and we want to have a good time along the way. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going? I'm very good, Bryce. Excited for this episode uh, because we're going to be speaking to someone from the Equity Mates community, but he's a member of the Equity Mates community in more than one sense. Absolutely. Uh, well, I hope he listens to the show. I'm not going to presume he does, <laughs> but he's also a fellow podcast host. He is. It is our pleasure to welcome uh, Adam, who is the host of Comedian V Economist to the show. Adam, welcome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, yeah, great to be here. So as I said, Adam is one half of the smash hit economics podcast, Comedian V Economist. Adam is a stand-up comedian, having played shows around Australia, and is responsible for the famous Port Adelaide V, the <laughs> Buy YouTube video that we remember watching back at uni. Um, he also does have uh, a day job as well in, I think, cybersecurity or something along those He's lines. Very but mysterious. It's very <laughs> mysterious. I can neither confirm nor deny my employment. Now, for people who may not uh, be familiar with with the famous, well, as Bryce said, famous Port Adelaide versus the buy video. <laughs> this is a video that we that did the rounds back when we were at uni, and uh, we only found out recently that you were the one that actually made it. So, uh, if people have yeah. no idea what we're talking about, they should go and check that out. Yeah, go and have a look. It's that's a funny one, that one, because that was the video that kind of got me banned from from YouTube. Um, <laughs> like I didn't get banned. I got banned from making money on YouTube. So we made this video, this Port Adelaide versus the buy. Um, where the Port Adelaide Footy Club, they play a game against nobody and they lose. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> and we then, like, it started getting a few hits. We started getting some traction and the guy I was working with, Nick, um, we we're like, oh, we should try and monetize this. So we made a website literally off the back of this one video, set up some ads through Google Ads and started telling all our mates to go to the website and click on the ads. 
And yeah, I, we were in line to get a check for like 60 bucks in the first month. And I was, you know, rubbing, rubbing my hands gleefully. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, instead of the check for $60, I got an email from Google saying, uh, you're banned for life from making any more, <laughs> from, from, from monetizing any ads. So if that, if that was an investment, that was a, that was a terrible in time investment to make money anyway, but yeah, it was a good, good, good fun. Well, speaking of investments, the purpose of this episode is to uh, walk through your investing journey, Adam, and, and really understand where you're at. And uh, we've just come mm. off the back of a couple of ep- episodes talking about uh, investing mistakes, those of which Alec and I have made, as well as uh, plenty of others in the Equitymates community. So we'd love to talk to you about that. Um, and by no means is this a conversation about uh, you know expertise or anything like that. We just like other conversations with the equity mates community, it's all about, uh, I guess, helping you discuss where you're at in your journey and a bit of a conversation. So uh, looking forward to it. If you're, if you're not looking for expertise, then I'm your man. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But uh, before, we, before we get into that, Adam, we do like to play a bit of a game. It, we just, it's a true or false game. Uh, we'll throw out some statements or some questions. You tell us whether they're true or false for your investing journey. Um, so we'll kick it off with this one. Um, true or false, your very first investment has been your most successful. Oh, absolutely false. My, my very first investment was a complete disaster. Care, um, care to elaborate? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I was, um, this was back in the 90s. Um, so I'm, I'm getting old now, I realized. Um, but back in the nineties and a guy I worked with, um, was like, Oh dude, I've got this, I've got this really great investment tip for you. You should get on. And so I had, I had a thousand dollars that I wanted to invest, but back in the nineties, for anyone that remembers, it was really hard to invest. Like it wasn't, it wasn't just like you go onto a, a web or an app, app, you know, an app these days and, and make your trade. Um, you had to go into an office, you had to go and see a broker, you had to make an appointment, you had to do all this stuff. And I was working at the Apple store at the time. And it was before, this is in the nineties, before Apple was cool, right? This was like during Apple's time when they made really ordinary products. So, but all the talk, like Steve Jobs was coming back and all the talk was that Apple's got all this cash in the bank and they're going to do well. And I, I really wanted to invest in Apple, but because it was so hard, like you could like making a domestic trade was hard enough, but making an international trade was like, you had to be some sort of high flying exec from what I could tell. So I, had, I worked with this guy and he was like, He's like, nah, dude, there's this company and they're making, they're making a website, right? It's going to be amazing. And I was like, I didn't really understand what they did, but he was like, it's going to have like flash video. It's going to have all this cool stuff on it. It's going to, they're going to sell, sell this website somehow. Um, and I was like, wow, it sounds pretty cool. Um, so I invested in this, in this company. I can't remember what the ticker code was, but I do remember that they changed to, I think ticker code LVL at one point when they got bought out by a, a, a retirement village company. So I ended up with shares in a retirement village, um, after wanting to buy Apple shares in the nineties. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and yeah, and this was before retirement villages did well. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I, I, I took a thousand dollars. I remember talking to my parents about it cause I was about 16 and I took a thousand bucks and mum said, as long as you're prepared to lose it. And I remember saying to mum, I'm like, mum, this guy is supremely confident. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to lose any of this money. Um, and I ended up selling them for $60, um, which, which which just covered the brokerage through the broker I had to go through to sell them. So, um, so yeah, absolutely false. Um, (laughs) (laughs) well, it's good that we're talking about investing mistakes because I think we can come back to that story and, um, Mm. talk about some of those, but we'll continue with this game. Uh, true or false. 
you had a strategy in place before you started investing? <laughs> uh, false. No, that, um, my strategy was to make money quickly. Um, <laughs> ter- turns out terrible strategy. Follow up question. Do you have a strategy in place today? Uh, yeah, I do actually. Yeah. I'm probably, I'm, I mean, that, that, the first early experience is maybe kind of gun shy, but, but yeah, no, I've got a, I do have a, a strategy now, at least very broadly. So I, you know, I, I tend to stay towards ETFs and, and, you know, dollar cost averaging and things like that, just putting in money, dri- dripping money in. Um, although I'm really kind of, I'm still kind of a schemer and a scammer and a, a gambler at heart. So Hustler. I do tend to, I do tend to sometimes take the odd specky, but broadly speaking, yeah, I've got a, a more kind of tempered approach to investing now. We'll get into that in a second. Um, true or false, you have stayed with the first broker from day one. Nah, false. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, I think that was, yeah, that was, the, that was the office. Um, I forget who it was, but yeah, they, I think they, they got bought out themselves. Maybe Morgan, was it Morgan Stanley? Is that, is that right? You tell us. Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. No, it was, it was crazy expensive compared to, the, to today's prices. It was about yeah. 60 or 70 $80 a, sh- a trade maybe Jeez. for, a, for a, a local trade. So, yeah. I mean, thankfully, I only made one. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, no, I've moved on since then. And then final true or false question. Uh, true or false, is investing as hard as you thought before you got started? Yeah. Uh, True, yeah, true early on, but false now. I think investing's really easy now. I mean, you know, it's easy to invest. It's it's harder to make to make money in a sense. Right? <laughs> Literally uh, investing. I, I was gonna I was gonna say that that could be the episode title right there. Episode uh, investing is really easy now. <laughs> yeah. So is is it is it is it easy to back horses? Well, yeah, it is easy to back horses. But, you know. <laughs> Yeah, there's no doubt that it has become easier to put money into the market. So, that is for some sure. Some may say too easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Thomas and, I, Thomas and I talk about it on the show this week, talking a little bit about, you know, um, AMC and GameStop and things like that. And just that maybe it is just so easy now that, you know, with a bit of extra money in the, in the market, a bit in the economy, putting, you know, just being able to quickly buy the latest thing, whether it's GameStop or AMC or crypto or something. Um, it's, it's crazy easy. So that's, I guess, why we're seeing some of these things fluctuating all over the place. Yeah. So for those of uh, our community who have no idea who you are, which would probably be 99.9% more or less. Well, they should all, they should all be listening to Comedian Bay Economist. True, so. true. Uh, yeah, what's up? I'll take that back. Hey, Adam, surprise. Bryce is going to come hard at you in this episode. Yeah, uh, my mistake. But um, are you able to, are you able to share who you are, um, what you do, and uh, where you're sort of at in your investing journey to sort of catch this conversation going forward. Yeah, cool. So, so I guess on that, on our podcast we do, I do it with with my brother Thomas. Uh, I'm I'm the comedian half of comedian versus economist. I get it's a it's a, a label I suppose that uh, I still carry with me, although I don't I don't actively do stand up anymore at the moment. Or there may be some live shows coming back next year. I think would be a good idea with with podcast maybe. So yeah, I, I started off doing comedy about five, six, oh, ten years ago now, and when you know did some raw comedy stuff. I made it through the national finals of raw comedy. Um, did a few fringe shows in Adelaide. Did some other shows all, all around the place, uh, and then and then found myself on on stint with stints on Triple M in Adelaide and, and SAFM at various times. So um, I've always loved I've always loved comedy. I've always loved trying to make people laugh. You'll often hear me laughing at my own jokes, which is just to make sure that 
but at least at least someone's laughing. So yeah, that that's my I guess my comedic background. Um, but I I never I never gave up the day job as they say. So I do work, I do work uh, for the you know well, as long as I've worked I've worked in IT uh, and then more recently in cybersecurity. So. So yeah, that's, that's kind of me. And where, where would you, so you've got a couple of kids, um, and, and where would you kind of say you're at in your investing journey? So I think I, I, I like to look at, in, I guess, investing from a few different angles. You know, I think about the fact that like, we own a house now and that's probably my Must biggest. Must be nice. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, I hear that's hard to get into now. No, so, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, well, I married well. That's the thing. Like, I, believe it or not, I didn't make a lot out of comedy. Um, but my, but my wife, uh, she came with a, she, she had a unit already that she'd been investing into for a long time. And so I, yeah, when we got married, we, we, yeah, I, I managed to, to contribute my salary and her existing investments and we, we bought a house. So. Um, so very lucky in that regard, but that's definitely, you know, I look at that as our biggest investment and then, you know, things like super, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm really like a bit of a super nerd, like a superannuation nerd. So I try and I track that way more than I should. Like I, I look at my, my super almost kind of every month or so, whereas I'm told you're supposed to only look at it like every five years or 10 years, but, um, but I like to kind of track it and sometimes it gets me into trouble, but, um, so yeah, I guess they're the two sort of the, the really big things, the real big picture things, but. But yeah, as I said before, I'm really just kind of trying to be disciplined about it and, you know, dollar cost average into some ETFs that I've got. I've got a, a spaceship thing, which I quite enjoy. And um, I even set one up for my, my kids. Well, actually one of them, uh, it sounds mean, like I've only got a, an investment account for one of my children. But yeah, my my youngest daughter, she she just loves the idea of putting money in this rocket ship, which is going to go somewhere. So um, yeah, that's her um, that's her thing. She puts it in. I haven't, I haven't told, I haven't, she's only five years old. I haven't told her about capital gains tax, which is going to bite her on the bum. But, um, yeah. So, but yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at. Just a quick follow up on what you said there about super Adam. So obviously, uh, Alec and I, you know, early, well, I'm just turned 30. Yeah, I'm still Alec in my 20s. Late, I'm young and free. <laughs> late, late, tw- late 20s. So, um, I can't even remember my 20s. <laughs> that's a good thing, I guess. Had fun. Um, w- when you say, but there are a lot of people in our community who superannuation is probably more um, timely for them than, than it is us. And when you say you look at your super every month, um, w- do you then actually take any action or are you just looking at it <laughs> just admiring it <laughs> and, and like and yeah like or freaking out if the market drops like what 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 are you doing when you're looking at it uh so well so my mum actually my mum gave me some really good advice when i was young which was put your super and, and again not financial advice don't take financial advice from a podcast i believe is the saying um but my uh mum said like just put it in high growth early while you're young you know like you can ride the peaks and drops um, and I was really lucky. I used to work for it when I first started working, I worked for a university and then I actually went and worked for another university. So I was kind of working for universities for about the uh, best part of 20 years and universities have like kick-ass super schemes. <laughs> um, you get like 21%, I think if you don't, wow. if you don't do anything. So you get 21% super. So I had 21% of my salary going into super. And then I then, so I put that into like high growth, which is, uh, you know, if, if for anyone who's not familiar, familiar with super, you can you can kind of choose how your super is is divided up and invested. Um, and so I basically just chucked it in high growth from a really young age, um, which means that my balance now is looking pretty healthy. Um, 
And so, yeah, so that's why I log in every month and just bask in the glow. Of, uh, <laughs> um, but that being said, um, when COVID hit, I was like, I became really paranoid about what was going to happen to my super. For, for some reason, like despite, you know, my mum's advice um, saying, you know, you can ride out the people. I thought, no, nah, this is the trough to end all troughs. Um, so I started trying to time the market with my super fund, which is just terrible advice, like a terrible thing to do. <laughs> Like, I don't know if you've ever tried to time the market with investments or if any of the listeners have. It's really hard at the best of times, right? But with most with superannuation funds, you've got like a two and a half, three day kind of lag time from when you submit the change. So trying to time the market, you're effectively trying to think about what it's going to do in three days time <laughs> based on what on some, you know, some 15% drop. Like what, what happened last, what was it, March in March 2020 when it just sort of tanked 30%. So so I kind of got out about halfway down, bounced back so quickly that I didn't kind of get back in until about halfway up. <laughs> so I think I've managed to kind of come out maybe a little bit behind, maybe close to even, but stressful. I wouldn't recommend it. And yeah. And are you making additional contributions and bits and pieces to max out super? Uh, no. So when you when I got set up initially, I... I was making an additional 7% contribution. Um, but then I was like 25, maybe maybe 30. And I found out that that was optional. I didn't realize it was optional. Um, <laughs> like it just got set up by default. And so as soon as I found out I had 7% that I could turn into money on a Friday and Saturday night, I was just like, oh, that's that's coming straight home with me. Because, <laughs> you know, I was, as I say, it was 21%. I was still going to get 14% super. And so I thought 14% is still kind of, kind of ticking above average anyway. So... I took that out and then, and basically, yeah. I just want to make a note that this is the first interview uh, since Bryce has turned 30 and all he's doing is asking about super. So yeah. I don't know if he's feeling his age or what's going on there, but the I just wanted to put that out there. I've got a hot, I've got a hot tip on a retirement village, Bryce. <laughs> so Adam, you're now doing this show with your brother, Thomas, who's an ex-Reserve Bank economist. And yeah. uh, the premise of the show is uh, Thomas is answering all your questions about the world of economics, uh, explaining uh, the, the news of the day and the world of economics to, to the layperson. Um, so you've been doing it for what, about six months now? Um, yeah, about six months. Yeah. What, what's, uh, what's some of the things that you've learned in the last six months? Or, or has Thomas just been a poor teacher? Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, he... Um, <laughs> He speaks well, but I don't think he makes any sense. Um, <laughs> no, I think it's been really interesting doing the show with Thomas. So he's he's one of the, like, I know he's my brother, but he's one of the smartest guys I know. Um, and it's just fascinating to learn about these external factors. I think, I think especially when you're investing in shares, you're investing in, in stocks, you can tend to kind of focus on the companies themselves and you can tend to look at, you know, what their, their balance sheet is, what their, what their outlook might be. And you can kind of get stuck a little bit down in the weeds in terms of looking at that company in isolation. And I think what Thomas really is really good at is kind of helping to lift that up a little bit and, and going, look, there's all these kind of mega trends and big picture things that are happening in the world of money that are affecting, you know, the company that you might be thinking about investing in. It's not just operating in isolation. It's operating as part of this kind of, uh, of a bigger economy. And, and there's a lot of other, a lot of factors to, that are moving kind of the whole, the whole market. So, so I think for me, it's been really useful to get that kind of lens and go, I like, I sort of now understand 
you know, some of the, even some of the, the abbreviations like GDP and all this sort of stuff that you hear around the place and you don't really realize what that means for the companies you're thinking about investing in, you don't mean, realize what it means for the market as a whole. So yeah, I think for me, that's been really a really useful takeaway to kind of go, yeah, you know, there is much more to investing in companies than just the companies themselves. Mm. I think uh, for us, understanding the, yeah, as you said, understanding the macro environment and how everything is so interconnected is pretty integral to actually becoming a better investor. Um, there's no doubt mm. that, you know, everything is so linked around the world and, you know, there's uh, plenty to try and get your head around. So you guys are doing a fantastic job over at Comedian V Economist. Um, pretty funny and also uh, entertaining and educational as well. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's good what you guys are doing. And despite Bryce thinking that no one in our audience uh, listens, I'm pretty confident yeah. they do. But uh, yeah. if, if they don't, they should. So go check that one out. I've definitely learned a lot. Had a few laughs along the way. We now have a we now have an Instagram and a Facebook. Oh, so true, like, gotta oh, pump that up. Yeah, <laughs> we're kicking it in the in the twenty first century now. So to- Thomas um, has uh, Thomas has an endless supply of charts, and uh, you guys are, are sharing them with the world now. Some of them are actually quite interesting. Like, uh, yeah, I, when when he said, I, "I reckon we should like share a lot of these charts," and I was like, "Ah, oh, charts, really? Is that what we're going with? <laughs> is that is that our launch platform?" Um, <laughs> but yeah, they're actually really interesting. So so. Check it out on wherever you. You've gone a long way from uh, making comedy YouTube videos to uh, posting <laughs> charts on Instagram. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Can you? Yeah. Just, I'm just waiting to get to get banned from monetizing the charts yeah. now. So, <laughs> so Adam, uh, before we continue with the convo, I want to have a discussion about your kids. We'll take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. So, Adam, you mentioned earlier that you have set up an investing account for your kids. And I'm just wondering, because I know there's certainly people in the Get Started Investing community who are thinking about doing the same for their kids. Um, So how are you actually thinking about investing on behalf of your kids? What products are you using? Um, Is there a goal you're going to give it to them when they're 18 and let them buy a car? Also, how how do you set it up? Like, is there anything you need to do legally to set it up? Well, this is the thing, right? So I'm not really, I haven't set it up in their name. So it's still all my money. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So if it goes really well, you won't tell them yeah, about yeah. it. <laughs> so they're going to pay my tax rate, which sucks. But um, I set it up using Spaceship, which is the micro investing platform for anyone that, that hasn't heard of it. Um, and the really great thing about Spaceship is that you can, there's no minimum that you can put in. And so they're quite young, but we, we have little jobs that we get them to do around the house each week. So that's things like set the table or whatever. Um, take the take the rubbish stuff like that, and then and then we pay them um, we pay them some money at the end of, end of each week, and we use that to try and educate them really about about money and um, you know and saving and spending and kind of trying to teach them what the value of money is. I showed you know I showed them both the, this investment platform. I said, look, if you put money in here, you can use your money to make more money. <laughs> and one nice. of them was like, whoa, really? I want to do that. I want to put my. And then when they found out it was called the spaceship, which Emily now calls the rocket ship. <laughs> um, it, was just, 
it's just all, all on board with, with putting money in the rocket ship. So, yeah, we're really sort of dipping our toes in that space. It's still in my name, um, but it's great that she can kind of, you know, off her own back, go, all right, I've got, a, I've got $2 here. I want to put this $2 in the spaceship um, and see it grow, and we can track it over time. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, nice. I'll, I'll, I'll probably cover a tax payment when it, come, when it comes time to take it out. But, but I think later on I'd like to, to move to something in their names, start putting in, you know, I don't know, a bit, a bit more money. I think there's, there's a couple of products I've looked at. One is from, I think, Stockspot uh, that do a kids' investment platform. But it can be, I have looked a bit into it before. It gets kind of tricky with um, mainly with tax and things like that. But, um, but I think, you know, I always reckon too that if you're making money, then tax isn't the biggest of your problems. Like you want to try and pay as little, as little tax as you can, but short of setting up a, you know, an offshore account in the Caymans, you're going to have to pay tax. And so if you're, make, if you're making money, then that's a good thing and tax will just be what tax will be. Well, if we ever hear that you've uh, revoked your kids' Australian citizenship and made them citizens of the Cayman Islands, we'll, we'll know that that spaceship account has gone very well. <laughs> it's gone very well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, Adam, uh, we... Um, We've done a couple of episodes on mistakes recently, and we wanted to uh, have a chat about mistakes. Not to mm. not to shame you, um, you know. We uh, we all make mistakes. That's part of investing. Um, but there's all there's always lessons in those mistakes. Um, mm. You've you've shared a couple with us already. The uh, the investing in a retirement village uh, <laughs> over Apple. <laughs> that that one really hurts. <laughs> <laughs> in the nineties, I don't know if people quite grasp the concept of what Apple was worth in the nineties. But it was what's Apple share price at the moment? Bryce, you know that right? a lot more than what it was in the nineties. Uh, that's for sure. Well, yeah. it's it's one hundred twenty five. Yeah, two point one yeah. trillion. Uh, in the nineties, it would have been. Jeez, that hurts. Yeah. yeah, in the sense, I think it's probably split a few times. Well, yeah. I'm looking at it now. In the nine, 1991, when I was um, when I was born, it was forty two cents. I <laughs> rub it in. Wow. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it's up twenty eight. 29,800% since 1991. Oh, and that's, and that's, that's with the stock split. So, mm. wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so you're on the right track. But, yeah, um, you had the right idea. The execution was what let you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I worked there, I think it was around 96, 97. Um, it was just before the iMac came out. So a lot of people, obviously, it's all about the iPhone now, but Apple really turned it around when they brought out their coloured iMacs, which, um, so before that, they had they had a, a suite of beige products, which didn't work very well. Um, and so I was running, I was running like tech support at, at the at Apple in Darwin at the time. And so we had these products that were still really expensive. And that was always a criticism of Apple, um, was that their products were too expensive and they couldn't compete with, you know, Acer and all these other new sort of Windows clone PCs that were making lots of money. And so you could buy a Windows PC for like, I don't know, say a thousand, get a Mac, it would cost you like two and a half, three thousand dollars. So, so it was the worst time to be doing support because like we were selling these products, which comparatively were hideously overpriced. Then they didn't work and people were like, give me my money back. I'm really outraged. And so I was kind of working the support desk at the time. There was a real fear at that time that that Apple was going to go broke, and so people started saying, people started looking into it and, and going, no, the company still has like bucket loads of cash. Like they were successful in the 80s, um, like really successful in the 80s, and so they had bucket loads of cash reserves. Which, um, and I sort of heard this thing. It's one of those things when you're in the industry, you hear this knowledge and you go, all oh, right, so they've got heaps of money. 
they've just they've just brought Steve Jobs back on board, which I'm sure most people know who Steve Jobs is. Yeah. Um, so they just brought Steve Jobs back on board, who's like this visionary. Uh, if anyone's going to turn the company around. So I was like, this sounds like a really good time. But I went looking and it was really hard. So it was really hard to do. And so, yeah, as I say, I, I bought this other I bought this other company, which did nothing um, instead of making um, I am now still working. Um, <laughs> but but I think I think the real lesson there for me was that, you know, it really it really sort of exemplified, you know, sticking to what you know, you know, yeah. like I if I if I had the ability, as you say, if I could have executed on that on that idea, then there was actually a, a reasonable thesis there. Like I don't, I certainly for any of my investments, I don't generally have a great thesis. It's generally, you know, it's I heard this thing's good, but I look at a lot of my, what my kids are using, products that they're using now, and I see that all their friends have got it, and I'm like that. I might look into that as an investment. But yeah, I reckon it's the the lesson for me there was like I did know that there was a sound kind of backing to to wanting to make that decision at least, um, and in the end, an easier route and and ended up with nothing because I was buying into something I had no idea. I didn't even know what this, this website was going to do really. I didn't look into it. It was just someone saying, oh, i got this great hot tip. We're going to make lots of money. And yeah, I guess if I'd, if I'd pushed harder to work out how to make a US trade in the 90s, I mean, I was young too, right? Like I was like, so I started, I left school early at like end of year 11. I got a job at, at Apple straight away. And so I was only probably seven, 18, I guess it must be 18 or 19. So yeah, I was young. I didn't know the first thing about investing and walking into like, walking into like Morgan Stanley or whatever they were in the city, just going like, wow, these guys are all, you know, it's Darwin, they're all wearing shoes for a start. It was like, wow, this is, they're taking this seriously in here. It's kind of intimidating. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I think, yeah, stick to what you know is a, is a good lesson there. There's a way that you can tell that story, Adam, where you uh, mm. left high school early for a job at Apple. Like if someone told, if someone said that in 2021, you'd be like, this person <laughs> is a, is a certified genius, you know, getting a job at Apple at 17. So you, you should just start going around telling that story. Yeah. I left high school early for a job at Apple. So it sounds way, way better than it was because Apple used to be a franchise. So these were all independent Apple stores or Apple centers as they were called. So there was Apple Center Dow and Apple Center Adelaide, Apple Center Sydney, whatever it is, um, and they were all they were all just franchises and owned until I think it was probably early two thousands that Apple kind of went, yeah, we're going to do away with that model, um, and we're going to create the the Apple stores that we have today. So yeah, it's kind of not as impressive. I basically just got a job at the local computer company. <laughs> it's all about how you frame it it's all about how you frame it i'm still looking at this apple chart it um ipo'd in 18 one, 15 cents <laughs> 15 cents ipo'd now it's uh that's that's up eighty three thousand percent. yeah it's crazy <laughs> anyway so I, I think you've made a really good point adam around investing in what you know particularly you know if we're not professional investors and mm. able to dedicate hours and hours of research and Filter, filtering through the thousands of uh, investment opportunities that are out there. Do you have any, I mean, yeah, do you have any specific examples of how that has translated to what you're investing in now, or are you going more for sort of thematic ETF approach? Um, and also, I think, given the industry that you work in, um, are you, you know, making any decisions based on that? Yeah, I guess I am now. So, you know, I, um, 
you know, I have I have a holding in the Hack ETF, for example, which is a cybersecurity ETF. I guess partly because that's that's an area that I work in now. It's a, it's a focus for me. But also, I guess, so, you know, I see a lot of the war stories from the industry, I suppose. I see what's happening. And and I think, you know, the, the world is going to need cybersecurity more and more and more and more. So for me, that kind of makes sense, albeit it's it's probably not one of my better performing ETFs. <laughs> um, but I still, but I guess I believe that it, it will be. Um, and, I've, and I have some smaller investments in um, sort of companies that are playing in that space as well. So, um so yeah, I think that definitely it's it, it does inform the way that I invest now. Even that's probably I've probably gone the other way for the most part though. You know, I'm really really more broad based ETFs generally still. Um, you know, that hack ETFs probably sits in my in my if I do have a satellite and core, then that would sit in my satellite. So um, you know, I guess the other ones are more your broad based. You know, a a two hundred ETFs or you know Nasdaq one hundred whatever it is. So. So, yeah, I think it definitely does. Um, I'm still on the lookout, though. I still, as I say, a bit of a kind of a bit of a gamble at heart. I, I still uh, still on the lookout for any any sort of, you know, 10 bagger that, that opportunity that might present. I'm, I'm fascinated with like because kids now kids have all, all got like just new things all the time that you don't know whether they're like the next craze, the next big thing or whether they're just going to be like flashing the pans. So um, there was a. I saw um, one of my daughter's friends the other day just got had a birthday and got a got a watch. This like it's a it's, I think it's called a Moochie, and it's like a kid's watch. You can call your parents on it. You can take photos with it. You can. And I just thought, man, if that like if they get some sort of market share, then potentially you know that kind of technology could be could could sort of explode. But then again, it might just go nowhere. So. Um, and maybe 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 it came off eBay or something. I have no idea. There you go, Moochies. That's the uh, yeah. that's the, the hot tip. <laughs> yeah. Can you get can you get Specky McGee looking yeah. at that? <laughs> can do. Now, Adam, given your you work in cybersecurity, I've got to ask you the question that Bryce and I often ponder when we talk cybersecurity, which is what's with the names of the cybersecurity companies out there? You've got you've you've got Things like Splunk and um, Zix. So <laughs> silly. They're just, it's, it's just, there's Booze, B-O-Z. Like, I just, uh, what's going on with the names in your industry, mate? Well, yeah. I would, you know, this is what happens when nerds get together and try to come up with names. <laughs> it's like if you've ever, I don't know if you've ever played any kind of online games and you see all these you know, the names that people come up with for their characters and it's like Doom Slayer. It's like, yeah, come on, mate. Yeah. You know, this kind of pimply 15-year-old kid sitting in your mum's basement and you're like, but in, but in this game you're a 15-foot axe-wielding kind of um, behemoth or Doom Slayer. Like, so, yeah, I think it's just those people are now, now have jobs naming products. That's um, the only explanation I can come up with for it. <laughs> Now, uh, before we move to our sort of final three wrap-up questions, Adam, um, I can't help but ask, given that you've said that uh, you're a bit of a, uh, a risk-taker at heart, where do you sit on the cryptos, um, crypto scene and uh, how's that – well, if you're in it, how's it going? And if you're not, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you thought I was day-trading superannuation, then you should see me day-trading super uh, crypto. Um, 
No, I love crypto. I'm fascinated by it. I love, I love the, you know, being, I guess, working in, in technology my whole life. I love the, I love the technology side of it as well. Um, I love the, I love the rationale and the justifications people seem to come up with for every coin. Like, you know, like every, everyone's always, you know, people zero in on one particular coin. They're like, I'm tracking this coin. I'm watching the charts. I'm seeing these patterns play out. It's the same patterns from the last time. It's like, dude, they're all going up and down together at the moment. Like, there's, <laughs> if you look at the top ten coins, they're all kind of fluctuating together. But um, no, I, I, I like crypto. I I do have some crypto, and then I'm kind of I'm in and out, and in and out, and in and out of crypto. Um, so yeah, to me, it's just like a, it's a bit of a, a fun thing on the side. I'm not I'm not heavily invested in it. That's for sure. I haven't told my kids about crypto yet. Um, so. Yeah, I I like it. I think I was I put some money in in 2018, the last crypto craze. Um, I lost pretty much all of that, but then I signed up for this um, encrypted chat platform called Keybase. Um, <laughs> what Keybase did at one point is they did an airdrop, which anyone in the crypto space know what an airdrop is, but they kind of airdropped a bunch of uh, Stellar Lumens uh, XLM. Um, which at the time, you know, this was kind of a, two years ago, maybe. So there was nothing happening in the crypto space. So they were worth nothing. Um, and so, yeah, I got like a, at the time, just maybe a hundred dollars worth of, of Stellar Lumens. I just decided I'd hold those. Um, that's now kind of, they're up to like, I think the last check was about 1500 bucks. Um, so, you know, that's nice. Um, <laughs> but so yeah, I don't know. I like, and then because I heard the government like, they tax crypto now as well, so that you can the ATOs jumped on board the crypto train and they can tax crypto investments. But I'm not sure how that applies to my airdropped crypto that I got. Um, that's, <laughs> you know, but I tend to swap coins around. I don't stay in one coin for any, any extended period. So I, I'm a terrible crypto investor. It's fair to say. This, this tax point is one that uh, we often have a discussion with our mates about, one of whom is convinced that they, the government can't tax crypto or that you don't have to pay tax on crypto. It's like it's, right. you're, you're investing. Of course, of course you do. So, and yeah. the ATO are going to be on it this year after everything that's happened in the crypto markets. Yeah, so- totally. Yeah. There's, I mean, like that case, for example, like can I get taxed if I didn't make the investment? Like if I... I literally, someone created some crypto out of thin air and put it in a wallet that I own. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, now we're not we're not uh, tax accountants and uh, we can't give tax advice. But I think the short answer is yes, because it's like it's like I so I owned West Farmers shares and then Coles yeah. demerged from West Farmers, so I didn't pay for those Coles shares. They just appeared in my account, but wow. um, but I have to pay tax on them. I don't know if that's a I don't know if that's a perfect analogy, but I'm pretty confident the government aren't gonna aren't gonna let you not pay tax on it. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> the, the only saving grace is that I will probably hold long enough to the point that they'll be worthless, and so I won't have to pay any tax. <laughs> that's the best way to avoid tax. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, Adam, um, 
It has been a, a very enjoyable conversation getting to kind of know where you're at in your investing journey. And thank you for sharing, I guess, parts of the journey that Alec and I haven't yet uh, come across, which is the fascination around day trading superannuation. And, <laughs> all, and not, also, not recommended. <laughs> and also um, thinking about setting up investments for kids. So we do appreciate it. Um, we always like to finish with final three questions. Um, so we'll crack into those. What, what resources have most helped you to get started investing or are you currently using uh, in your investing journey? Uh, well, I listen to this great podcast called Comedian versus Economist. <laughs> uh, I think it's been really, <laughs> no. Um, no, the podcast generally been great. I mean, you guys are doing great work, um, with the equity mates investing podcast and, and this one. So I think that they I, I really like podcasts just because I can kind of, I can kind of passively consume them so I can, I can just get some really good, um, investment, you know, education while I'm, while I'm doing other things. Yeah. I, I I do have a couple of sort of web subscriptions that I, that I use now. Um, yeah, I, I think just having conversations about it with people who are, who are investing as well is a really, a really powerful thing. I got, you know, I got friends of mine that, that, in, that invest and you can kind of, you, the more you talk about it, the more you can start to, to sort the kind of wheat from the chaff a bit. You can sort of go, you know, you can identify the Specky McGee's of the world and, and, and then and then you can you can identify the others who are kind of a bit more in line with whatever your investment sort of philosophy is. But yeah, I'm still I'm still banking on the fact that my house will be increasing in in value, my superannuation will keep going up and whatever I can make beyond that is good. But you know, the goal for me is yeah, um, retire a bit early at least. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That would be nice. The next question, uh if someone's listening today who hasn't started investing, but maybe a little interested, but a little bit unsure or on the fence, um, what would you say to them? Uh, I would say, I would say start, just get started, like just do it um, and start small, like start with, you know, to my mum's point <laughs> when I was 18 or whatever, when she's like, only invest what you can afford to lose. Um, even if you're pretty sure that you won't lose it, uh, as I was, um, for no reason, um, you, you, there's a chance that you will. So, um, and that, and that's probably what keeps most people out that there is that fear of kind of, of losing some money. But, you know, like, as I say, like I've got investments now for my kids, you know, they're putting in $1 or $2 at a time. Um, and that's the best thing you can do is to just start because even if, even if you make $10 or you lose $10, you'll still feel, you still feel that, that gain or that loss, you still get that kind of, I don't know, it's probably like some sort of dopamine hit or something, <laughs> um, but you do. And there's, there's no better way to kind of learn and then get educated about what happened than having actually just having some skin in the game. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think, um, there's a lot of, I know that there's a lot of platforms that offer simulations and you can kind of, Oh, you can pretend that you've got a hundred thousand dollars and, and you can set up a portfolio, but, that's not realistic for most people. And you can quickly, you can quickly lose interest in it when, you know, maybe there's a period of, in the market where it doesn't do much. It's kind of flat. It gets really boring. So I reckon if you start small, you know, using some of those services like spaceship or raise or whatever it is, you can put in $5 or $10, get in, get kind of invested in and, and get in the game because you're not just investing your money. Then you, you sort of, you're emotionally and kind of mentally invested in it as well. And then you go, ah, oh, it dropped $2 this week. I wonder what happened to, you know, 
to the market. I wonder what happened to that company that I put, you know, a little bit of money into. So, you know, whatever you can, whatever's comfortable for you, um, I reckon just get started. Couldn't agree more, Adam. And uh, we did say we have three questions, but the third was around Comedian v Economist and you have uh, answered it earlier. At, you know, it's a, it's a great resource and we strongly encourage those in the community who haven't started listening, but feel confused about what is going on in the world of uh, macroeconomics and understanding superannuation and Reserve Bank and the Fed over in the United States, et cetera, et cetera, then um, certainly go and listen to Comedian v Economist with Adam and his brother Thomas. But um, look, it's always a pleasure talking to uh, those in our community, Adam. So we very much appreciate you coming on the show and uh, sharing your time with us. Thanks, guys. I really enjoyed it. Good, good to uh, good to be on the show. Look forward to doing it again sometime. Absolutely. And if you uh, would also like to share your investing stories with us uh, or come on the show, make sure you reach out equitymates.com slash contact, uh, or you can email us at contact at equitymates.com. Um, but otherwise, uh, keep investing. If you haven't started already, dip your toe in the water. Start now, as Adam said. But uh, we'll leave it there. Ren, always a pleasure to chat stocks, and we'll pick it up next week. Sounds good. Get Started Investing is a product of Equitymates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Get Started Investing are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Get Started Investing acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.